In the wonderful name of our Lord Jesus Christ tonight. So good to see all the faces. And I'm just, just feeling kind of giddy tonight. I hope you are too. I want to sing Joy Unspeakable and Full of Glory. Amen. 625. I have found his grace is all complete. Amen. I have found his grace is all
Isn't he wonderful, wonderful, wonderful? wonderful. Amen. I don't have any prayer requests that I know of, but if there's any unspeaking, unspoken uh, needs amongst us, I just want to hold it before the Lord. I'm just going to ask me, Brother Timothy Onotoko, if you wouldn't mind, if you could just come and pray with us. And let's just sing that once again as he comes. Isn't he that you are the only true God who created heaven and earth. You created circumstances, Father, and you can turn it to good or to bad. Tonight we are so thankful, God, to be among the saints in your church, in the presence of the living God, expecting, Father, to hear from the throne of God for our future and existing time here on earth, oh God. We thank you for the wonderful time that you are giving us right now, even the good news that we have just heard coming in through your gates. Father, you are the true living God. We pray that the Holy Spirit of God, the same that has guarded Abraham and all the saints that trusted in you, will come down, Father, and meet all the needs. We know we are need people, Father, even if it's not penned down, written down, but you can see our hearts, we are full of need. And Father, we pray that the Holy Ghost will go and meet each need and also come down near to each heart, Father, that you will bless us abundantly above all what we can think and ask. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit will come down again and lead the worship and also give the word of life so that when time comes and we go out of these doors, we might rejoice truly that God has met our need. For we ask these blessings, Father, in your holy name, the very name of our Lord Jesus Christ and Savior. We say, Amen. 
seated. Let's sing some glad morning when this life is over. I'll fly away. Some glad morning when this life is over. Look at one another. Amen. We praise God. <laughs> Danny, it's been a long time. My goodness, man. Nathan, God bless you. Nice to see everyone tonight and those that have been coming in and trickles. But Sunday, by God's grace, all restrictions are gone. Amen. I'm going to fly away. I feel like flying away right now. And um, so I've got a couple of announcements to make. I want to thank everybody for their prayers and for last few services and your kind comments. We've got a real victory. We've been having victory after victory. Satan thinks he wants to throw something over on us. Well, you know what? God has never retreated. Brother Bram says it's the hour of charge. 
And the saints of God at Cloverdale Bible Way have been charging under the leadership of the captain of the Lord of hosts. We've seen Brother Gabe Florent rededicate his life to Christ. We've seen Jewel Ann Florent rededicate her life to Christ. We've seen different ones, Sister Judith, uh, Brother um, Jairus' mom come and get baptized, six baptisms, all through COVID. And today, Brother Dan Florent led Brother Ali Gindo to the Lord Jesus Christ. Where's Ellie? Where are you? Glory! This is what we've been praying for. Amen. And we want to rejoice. You know, I, I text Michael. I said, Mike, should, you know, because it was all Dan, Brother Dan and Gabe is a barber and Gabe cuts Ellie's hair and he tells him about the Lord. And, and then Ellie meets Michael for uh, coffee and God starts to move. And we just seen God move amongst us. I am so happy and so thrilled to see what the Lord Jesus is doing. God bless you, Brother Ali. You, listen, you kicked a soccer ball. Now let's start kicking the devil, okay? Amen. Amen. Happy to have you here. I'm sure mom and dad are thrilled and the family's thrilled. So as of Sunday, as of Sunday, we're back to normal on the Canadian side. No limits, no restrictions, nothing. Now, we have to pray for the border. We've been praying for this announcement, and and the Lord's been gracious, moved on the government's, and now here we are. So we need that border open, because there's a part of our body that wants to be here also. And we've been praying for them, and we're looking forward to having them back in the house of God together as we rejoice for the glory of God. Services on July 4th, Brother Murphy will be taking it the Sunday morning. I'll be in Edmonton. I'll be taking a grad and then meetings on Sunday. So pray for me. Uh, July 11th, Brother Tim will be down in, on the U.S. side. It's his time to go there, and he's the one that's fortunate that doesn't have to uh, quarantine when he comes home. Now, how did he do that? I'm just trying to figure that one out. But anyways, we're happy that Brother Timon is able to do that. So we'll be having two services on Ju- We'll have this posted, of course, on the, on our website. On June, July the 11th, we'll be at 1030. Now, what we're doing, all services are going back to normal, 1030 on Sunday mornings. It's not being changed uh, we thought of maybe changing July the 18th because we're going to have just one service with Brother Tim down on, this, on the U.S. side. And um, uh, it, makes, it makes it a little difficult for the U.S. people to drive up to Mount Baker camp. But rather than confuse the issues, well, let's just keep it at 1030. Okay? I think we can, for that half hour, uh, we can use that, uh, do that. So all Sundays after July 18th, we'll be back to one service. At 10.30, normal time. There will be no more Zoom. Okay? Because we're here. And we're here. The, sa- the saints, of course, on the, on the state side will be able to stream. And I guess they, um, no, they'll be streaming. And, uh, so the, it's, uh, all the computer, uh, stuff has been changed. You notice there's no cameras around and there's no shots on the, for the screen, so no more Zoom uh, except for the services at the camp. So they will arrange that with Brother Jonathan Frey. 
We need now, uh, those saints that are on the U.S. side, we need you to register. We need everybody to register for the camp coming up. If you're planning to be on the grounds, we need to know our numbers because we have people that are already wanting to come from outside of the state of Washington in in the United States and also from overseas wanting to come to our camp. I know there's some of us that are going to fly down to Seattle no matter what. We're still allowed to enter into the United States. So there's some families already that are booking flights to be at the camp through Seattle, and we'll um, arrange for some of us, depending on how much the bus holds. I believe it's 18. And if there's any more than that are flying down, we'll get a whole bus. We'll get the big bus. And we, I think it's up to 30 or something we'll fly in. We, we're just desperate to be together, you know. And so I said, well, I'm going down no matter what. And then Mike says, he's going down no matter what. Of course, Mike and Abigail are going. And so then, of course, a few more families came up and said, we're going. You're not holding us back. I said, okay. Well, we'll make the announcement. So if you're wanting to be at camp, we never know. The borders might open by that time. So if you're going to camp, um, please register, whether it be the U.S. or the Canadian side. Um, Register now. Michael's got this down. Please register by Sunday. So the decision has to be made by Sunday. Our camp is not going to be like a normal camp. It's not junior from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We're all going to be down. Whoever's going to make it for Wednesday, that will be more of like a gathering day where we can fellowship with one another. Brother Wayne Lawson will be here for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So we're expecting, and he's expecting great meetings, and we all are. So um, that's it'll be more of a fam. This will be a real family camp. Some of the cabins uh, will be taken for families, just your family. So some food and so forth. We'll make further announcements on that. Will be carried out by the parents and so forth for their children. Um, if you've got any questions regarding anything to do with the registration of the camp, please uh, call the office, and we'll uh, we'll keep you posted and up to date as we hear from um, the authorities how the border is going to work. Uh, They're saying uh, July 5th that there's going to be an announcement. They say July 21st there's going to be an announcement. So by the time we have camp, let's just pray that we can be all together for just our, maybe our last camp. So praise the Lord. Brother Matthew, we have one prayer request here left if you want to take that, or Brother Tim as he comes in takes the word. God bless you all. Thank you, Brother Tom. Let's sing number 985. I've got my mind made up. I've got my heart set right. Amen. Start with verse 1. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved the wretch like me.
Lord Jesus. Blessed be thy name, O God. How wonderful thou art, Lord Jesus. Oh God, how we worship you. How we love you, Lord. Oh God, you're so good to us, Lord. So worthy of our praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. As Brother Tim comes, why don't we sing 1323? He's God. When I come into his presence, I humble myself, I lift up both my hands, and I begin to worship him. I
one more time just because he's gone and the Lamb. Hallelujah. Worthy of all praise. Worthy of all glory. Worthy of all honor. Hallelujah. 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 Men's bow our heads together as we go to prayer. Just a prayer request. Must have come in late. Sister Amanda Drake requesting prayer for her mother. Emily Drake become weak in her body struggled to get around needing assistance she was believing she's believing for her healing we just want to ask God to come on the scene for her let's bow our heads together if you have a need on your heart why don't you just raise it to the Lord from your heart you can raise your hand you can signify it God sees your heart Heavenly Father, mighty God, creator of heavens and earth, you alone are the author of eternal life. You have given every good gift, O Lord, and we come and we worship you because you are God, because you are worthy. Lord, because we acknowledge not just your existence, but the reality of your moving in our lives, your grace, your mercies, which are renewed every day. And we thank you, Lord, for we need you afresh every day. We face fresh battles every day. Sister Drake, Lord, remembering, Lord, we're remembering her tonight, Lord. You're real tonight, oh God. May you be merciful, Father. Lord, may you lift this woman up, oh God, out of her sickness and pour in virtue healing virtue that was loosed at Calvary 2,000 years ago. May it be released to her mortal body. May it quicken her, O Lord. And may it grant, Lord, according to her faith and the faith of each one that's joined in prayer this evening. Lord, we're believing for her. We're believing for each need. We're believing for every son and daughter of God. Lord, we are gathered tonight. We the authorities in the land have given the people more liberty but Lord you were never bound and Lord we do not say that we were bound we do not confess that but Lord like Moses dealing with Pharaoh we are not accepting a partial deliverance He said they could go if they left the children behind, if they left their families behind, if this condition or that condition. Lord, we don't accept any conditions. We're claiming our brothers and sisters on the United States side. We're claiming that the borders shall be open. We're asking for a full liberty, O God, a full and complete gathering of this body that you have brought together. That the name of Jesus would be glorified. Move whatever needs to be moved, Lord. Move hearts, move governments, move authorities. 
But Lord, the greatest thing is your body. And we claim, O oh Lord, every redemptive blessing. And even tonight as we're gathered together, whether here, Lord, whether out over the internet, in the homes here, Canada, United States, around the world even, Lord. I know there's some listening into this service. I pray, Lord, that you'll just have the preeminence. Father, we're relying on you. We humble ourselves. I humble myself, Lord. Your word is beyond what any man can comprehend. It's beyond human comprehension. It's beyond human vocabulary. It's supernatural. You are the word that goes out to individuals. Lord, that discerns the needs that are in individual hearts. And Lord is able to speak just a single word that would lose someone from sickness, from their captivity, from nervousness, Lord, from whatever it might be, Father. May you, in a very supernatural way, deal with your children tonight as we yield ourselves to you. We give over now to you, Lord, as we read your word. May you bless it, and Lord, may you anoint it for service tonight, we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Let's take our Bibles as we turn together. Thank you, musicians. Appreciate them, all of their labors during this time. It's nice to see your faces. Amen. God bless you. And we're turning to the book of uh, uh, John tonight. Again, John chapter 21. Greetings to each and every one in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I was thinking in the in the spirit of the age, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but in the spirit of the age, you know, they say the restrictions come off completely at midnight tonight. But in the spirit of the age, I'm identifying with Greenwich Mean Time right now. I'm identified with Greenwich Mean Time, which means it's past midnight, in case you're wondering what I'm trying to say. <laughs> so if they can identify with everything they identify with, that's what I'm claiming. <laughs> Amen. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. John chapter 21. And we'll read again from verse 15. We read this last Wednesday. We want to just take it a little bit further tonight, Lord willing. Verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And he said, Yea, Lord, thou knowest I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. And he saith to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he said unto him, Feed my sheep. I don't necessarily think that Jesus rattled these off one after the other after the other. But rather, as they were sitting there over time, he said one, they maybe had some discussion, then he said it again. And then the Bible says, and he said it a third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things, thou knowest that I love thee. And Jesus said unto him, feed my sheep. Verily I say unto you, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. And when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said unto him, follow me. Then Peter, turning about, seeing the disciple, which was John, whom Jesus loved, 
following, which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is, which said, which said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter seeing him said to Jesus, Lord, what shall this man do? And Jesus said unto him, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Amen. The Lord has blessing to the word. You may be seated. I heard lots of uh, comments about how the Lord used last Wednesday to speak to many people. We're certainly happy for that. And as we revisit it, we're not going to just exactly take the same phrase, what is that to thee? But rather, I want to I want to take it a step further and take the three words, follow thou me. Now, Jesus, speaking to Peter, was focusing him on the love that was being revealed to Peter and would soon be revealed in Peter on the day of Pentecost. And so Peter, I'm sure, could not grasp. And and uh, as I was pondering this in the light of perhaps all that Peter had learned and all that Peter had experienced over three and a half years of Jesus' ministry and how that Peter was was at a, a low point in his life having uh, having denied the Lord Jesus Christ. But then Jesus, as we know, Jesus doesn't make mistakes. Are you glad for that? He knows who he called and he knowed exactly how low Peter would get. Matter of fact, he even told Peter, he says, I know you're going to deny me, but don't worry, Peter. I prayed for you. Amen. Amen. Aren't you glad for that? Amen. And, and he knows what you're going to go through. He knows your difficult time. I'll just say he knew when Brother Branham lost his wife that he would come to the very urge of saying, if that's the way he's going to treat me, I'm not going to serve him. He knew that God's prophet would almost go there, but there was a redemptive seed that had already been quickened by the Holy Spirit. And something within him held him so that when he was about to give up, he said, rather, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. There was something deep within that had a connection or a relationship with God that went beyond earthly trial. Are you with me? There is a connection there that no matter how low, how difficult, how frustrated, how how nervous, how upset, how seemingly upside down that life came, in the midst of it all, it held God's prophet. In the midst of it all, it held Peter. In the midst of it all, it holds you and it holds me. That no matter what we're going through, God knows exactly who we are. And that's what I believe Jesus was trying to focus Peter in here. And that he's, he's talking about, listen, don't worry about this one. Don't worry about that one. Don't be concerned about what happens if this takes place or that takes place. What if this one falls away? What if that one denies the message? What if this one says it's not real? That doesn't matter anything. It's Peter, what matters now is the relationship between you and me. I'm trying to focus you, Peter, on the reality that I am dealing with you personally. See, it doesn't matter, Brother David, what happens. God knows you personally. Amen? It doesn't matter, Sister Esther, what difficulties you go through. God knows you personally. 
He's focused on you personally. Lovest thou me? He wasn't saying, do you all love me? Doesn't say, do you all have enough love? Did you all go to church today? You know, did you all say your prayers this morning? You know, did you all read your Bible today? That's not what he's focused on. He's, he's focused on the rowdy Peter. If, you, if I can take you back to that day when I said to you, thou art Peter. And upon this rock I'll build my church. See, I knew you before the foundation of the world. Your name is written on my book before you were ever born. I had you in my thoughts. You're connected. And this is where I want to go to. You're connected with my love. And I want to connect you with that love. And I want to focus you with that love. Because if I can take you back to the anointed seed gene. It's that seed gene that can love me. And I love it. And it must manifest what I have declared it shall be. Amen. That channel between the creator and the creation that nobody else can share. See, there's a channel between you and God that nobody else can share. I don't know if you understand that, but that's what God's trying to get to you. There's a channel that he has for you. You were a thought in his mind before the foundation of the world. If you're in his thoughts now, you always were in his thoughts. He knew how far you'd go away. And he knew what you'd go through. And he knew what it would take to bring you to yourself. Because what you are is what you were always in the mind of God. It's a personal channel that we have between God and ourselves. Now that's why God hates denomination. I hope that doesn't offend anybody this evening. But God doesn't like denomination because there's no third person to that channel. It's you and God. God didn't like it when the serpent got involved in the relationship in the Garden of Eden. There was a relationship between Adam and Eve. But the serpent messed it up in the middle of it because God alone receives worship from us. God alone communicates with us regardless of which vessel he uses, regardless with what place they have in the body of Jesus Christ. It's God and that vessel. There's no third person. There is no other gospel to the Gentiles. This is the gospel to the Gentiles. All right. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he says, and it's familiar to us, so I'll just read it. He says, would to God that you would bear me, bear with me a little in my folly and indeed bear with me. For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. But now he identifies this jealousy. He says, for I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Not you and me. My calling, he's saying, is to take you and present you to Christ. It's not to to you and me to join you to a church or to identify you in my ministry. No, my ministry is to take you into a relationship with Jesus Christ alone. All right, he says, but I fear, lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted From the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached. Or if you receive another spirit which you have not received. 
or another gospel which you have not accepted, you might well bear with him. Now that might seem strange to say it in those words, but what Paul is saying is, there is no other gospel. There is no other spirit. There is no other uh, uh, preaching. That, that There is no other Jesus Christ. Hello? There is no other Jesus. Then, then I could say, as Paul saying, there's no other purpose for you than to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ yourself personally. Are you with me so far? Just very foundational uh, beginning here. Now Jesus knew what was determined for the purpose of John's life. He knew that he would live to a ripe old age. He knew that he would spend two years on the Isle of Patmos. He knew that John would see the coming of the Lord by the Spirit, by vision. And that he would uh, write the book of Revelation from a series of visions that he would be given on the Isle of Patmos. And so, so uh, you know, all of these things Jesus knew this was going to unfold in John's life. But that had nothing to do with Peter. Peter, don't worry about John. Peter, you just follow me. As I lead you, you just follow me. So it's important... Uh, Understanding what has happened in the past and identifying what's happening around you is important. All right? God wants you to understand who you are. God wants you to understand that He sent His Word by your way. Okay, God wants you to understand, and I use the word understanding not in the worldly way, but rather like Jesus opened their understanding. And he wants you to comprehend, he wants that word to come into your life and create a faith of who you are. Amen. Uh, of your position in Jesus Christ. As he said to the disciples, many of them said, oh, now we believe you are the Messiah. Now we, you know, they see him do a miracle. They seen the supernatural happen, whether he walk on the water, whether he multiplied the food, whether he, all, all the other miracles. Oh, now we believe. And Jesus simply says to him, do you now believe? You know, that's why he's saying to Peter, do you love me, Peter? Do you really comprehend what's going on right around you? The disciples, you know, they, they, they didn't always see things uh, the way they ought to. And even as they came down from Mount Transfiguration, they, they wondered in themselves and they said, you know, why have we been taught, or the Bible says, why do the scribes say that Elijah has to first come before the Messiah? Now, Christ was transfigured before Peter, James, and John. Is that right? And so now they recognize this, that Jesus is identified as the Messiah. This is my beloved son. Hear ye him. They see Moses and Elijah talking to Jesus, and they're, they're, there they are caught up in this, and their old teaching comes back to them. Why should, why do the teachers, the scribes say that Elijah has to come to introduce the Messiah? And Jesus simply answers, he says, I say unto you, Elijah has come already. And they did what's written of him. And they understood that he spake of John the Baptist. Is that right? And so their understanding began to comprehend as they're in the middle of a supernatural work. Listen. You're in the middle of a supernatural work. You're not just going to church. You're in the middle of something supernatural that's happening around the world. 
God is getting a bride together to take her home. God is finishing up the age of the Gentiles or the dispensation of the Gentiles. God is wrapping this thing up. It's not something that we're just, oh, we just, we just want God to forgive us. It's much deeper than that. He, he's come in the last days to reveal to us exactly who we are in relationship with Him. So the future that is important is your future. What, what's Brother Tim going to, is Brother Tim going to live another week? What is that to you? Follow thou me, he says. You know what? What is, is something going to happen to somebody? You know, poor Brother Rickard and Sister Andrea. Nobody would have thought they, they had lost so much in their house. I saw the pictures of it this week. It, it just, it's just amazing. Just amazing how something could be so completely burnt out. And, and yet God spare a picture here. Spare a little something sentimental there. God knows what he's doing. He's got a purpose in it all. We never would have thought. And, 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 and a person might go in their mind and say, you know, why would this happen to somebody? And why would they need to go through that? What is that to you? Follow thou me. God has a purpose for it. And I'm sure that's not comforting for them. But it, God has a purpose for it in their lives. God is going to bring something good out of it. There, there, there is a, a supernatural plan. Otherwise, he would be the author of frustration, Brother Branham says. And he is not the author of frustration. Amen. He is the author of peace and of a sound mind. And so, so everything that happens, we may not understand why did this happen to somebody and why did that happen to somebody. But don't get wrapped up in it. What is that to you? Follow thou him. And I love those words, follow thou me. Just think of those three words. Follow thou me. Just three words. You, him, and following. Simple prescription. Follow thou me. You're the follower. Then by implication, he's the leader. And it's just you and him. See, this is simple tonight, Brother Tim. It's very simple. And if we know the simplicity of Christ, as Paul says, we won't go astray. Well, so-and-so is going this direction. Listen, every, every church split that has ever happened. I've talked to people in different places around the world that, you know, a congregation breaks up and somebody wants to rise to preeminence that maybe wasn't ordained to it and tries to carry a group of people over a cross or whatever. And, and you know, people get, and, and, and you know, one thing the devil wants people to do is to worry that they're losing something. Oh, my friend's going this direction or my, somebody else is going. What is that to you? Follow thou me. I'll say, you know, I'll just say it this way. I'm not trying to pat anybody on the back, but my son-in-law, Jeremy, when I was, when he was courting my daughter and I sat down and talked to him about his experience and his walk with Christ and what he'd been through. And he, he talked about, you know, here, the church, when a, when a group of people left and he talked about, he says, all my friends left. He says, they all wanted me to go. He says, but I couldn't go. He says, he says, I didn't see that that was God. You understand? 
And I thought, there's character in a man, a young man, that says, I'm not going just because my friends are going. I'm not walking with just anybody. I'm following him. Amen. And we all want to have that kind of a testimony. Because it's Christ revealing himself in the church as he wants to have the preeminence. And excuse me for bringing up the past uh, that I don't mean to dig up any scars or wounds on anybody. But you know, what God is doing is irrelevant to the circumstances. It does not always appear. And as a matter of fact, many times God allows certain things to be said or done that will distract from the reality that he's doing. As even Jesus himself in John 14, as he said to the, said to them, you know, uh, except you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. And many of the people that were following Jesus, the Bible says, went away from him because they said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear these things? And, and Jesus says, what, ex- what if you see the Son of Man ascend up into heaven from whence he came from? Even the Son of Man which now is in heaven. Oh my, they thought, what kind of sayings are these? And, and, and one left and another left and 70 left. And, and finally Jesus turns to the 12 and says, would you also go from me? And they said, where would we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. Amen. We're following you. We're not following a group. We're not following a movement, even though there is a movement, if we can say it that way. But we're following Jesus Christ individually. Because God has a purpose, as Brother Branham said in Christ the Mystery God Revealed. He says, first, to express himself completely, God in Christ. Secondly, to have the preeminences by this in his church, which is his body, the bride, that he could have the preeminence to express himself through them, and thirdly, to restore the kingdom to its rightly position that fell by sin in the first, fell by sin by the first Adam back to where he walked in the cool of the evening with his people, talked with them, and fellowshiped with them. God's got a purpose. All that was in God, he would pour into Christ. All that was in Christ, he would pour into the church. That the church in Christ would become united. That he could restore the Garden of Eden. That he could bring us back to what Adam had. Fellowship with God in the cool of the evening. Walking with God. Amen. So we we see that great purpose of God. Now. Canada Day tomorrow, right? And nobody's working tomorrow, right? Okay, just checking. Praise the Lord. I had one brother tell me, you keep preaching as long as I'm pulling. I thought, well, we'll see how good you're pulling. Amen. Now, God deals with the Jews different than he deals with the Gentiles. Okay. And when I say Jews, I don't mean individual Jews, which were the first church God called them out of the nation of Israel into the bride of Jesus Christ. Okay? But what I'm talking about is the national identity of the Jews. God has a covenant with them through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
But God also deals with the Gentiles. And it's important to realize that if you want to study this, you can uh, look at the message of the fifth seal. There's much more revealed in the fifth seal than just white robes are given to those that, that, I, that gave their lives testimony, by their own testimonies or for the testimony of the word of God. But the Jews now, it's important to realize this now, because this is, this is where I'm going to go to. The Jews are brethren. The Gentiles are wife. Okay, so that both have promises, both have covenants, and both have relationships which is laid out in the word. Okay, God deals with the Jews a certain way, he deals with the Gentiles a certain way. And we're living in the time, as I've already said, that the time of the Gentiles is coming to completion. So that uh, that relates then to you and to me. It identifies us. It places us. And it shows us how God's dealing with us as the bride of Jesus Christ is unfolding now right around us and going to, well, if we could just say it, the, the final culmination of the shout, voice, and trumpet to catch us away to the marriage supper of the Lamb as a Gentile people. But that is a separate dealing than God dealing with the Jews. Okay, and Brother Branham specifically lays this out in the fifth seal. And the reason I say that is because even as Brother Branham was studying and looking to the Lord to preach on the seven trumpets, he was told by the Lord that you cannot preach on the seven trumpets because it's not for the Gentiles. It doesn't pertain to the Gentiles. So then I could say it this way. God was saying to him, what is that to you? Your ministry is the, uh, is the ministry of the fourth Elijah, that ministry to the Gentiles. And, and Brother Branham specifically lays out in the fifth seal, he specifically lays out, now he says, don't get confused, now I'll just read it here. He says, I want you to get this now. If some still think that Malachi 4, to restore the people, is the same thing he's going to do down there with the Jews, and think it's all the same, let me straighten that out for you just a minute. Alright? So he's talking about this message, versus what God's going to do with the Jews. And even in the hour we're living in, we I, I see people get a little bit confused about the unfolding plan, because what God is going to do with the Jews, I say to you Gentiles, what is that to you? Follow thou this message. All right, so Brother Branham goes on. He says, see, it would be a little bit confusing, because remember Malachi 4 says, return the faith of the children back to the fathers. He says, now let me show you the difference of the ministry. He's talking about the fourth coming of Elijah versus the fifth coming of Elijah. Alright, for those of you that are young, I'll just say there's five comings of Elijah. There was Elijah, Elisha, under the same anointing, John the Baptist, is that right? The seventh messenger, seventh church age messenger, Brother Branham, was the fourth. And the fifth is the Elijah ministry, one of the two witnesses that is probably on the earth now, but will rise up to the Jews Right there in Israel during the tribulation time when God turns to deal with the Jews. And the 144,000 are redeemed. 
And Brother Branham says in the fifth seal, they give their lives. They are, they are martyred there in the tribulation time. Now, I, I, I was thinking about this three and a half years and the 144,000 will come in because I was thinking now it's been three and a half years in Uganda. Okay. Where the, the awakening in Uganda has spread amongst Uganda and, and, and there's been, and I asked Brother Fred this today, uh, Brother Fred Chienji, I says, how many souls do you think have, have been saved in this time of this awakening? He said, probably, uh, 45 to 50,000. Okay. In three and a half years, 45 to 50,000. Now you've heard the testimonies. You've seen the baptisms. Hundreds lined up to be baptized. Hundreds upon hundreds to receive baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, in the tribulation time, there's going to be 144,000 baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what we see in Uganda is only going to be a third of what's going to happen when we're gone. Boy, talk about a revival. That's going to be a revival. Glory to God. So we have some comparison. We have some idea and what God's doing in our current time in gathering the bride there in Uganda. And so Brother Branham says, he says, now let me show you the difference of the ministry. If he comes to return the faith of the children back to the fathers, he's talking about the fifth coming. He says he would deny Christ. He would go back to the law. Because their fathers is still in the law. Alright? And so he's saying the fourth ministry of uh, Elijah is completely different from the fifth. Alright? So now let me just say it this way. This message is a bride message. That message is a message to brethren. Now you see what I'm talking about. It's a different relationship with God. So when God... T- I'm not saying that Christ is different. There's no new atonement. They're turned back to the atonement of Calvary, which they rejected 2,000 years ago. But the message to them is not the message to you. Because they're not bride. They're brethren. So I'm just, I'm just saying this to, to bring you into a, a revelation of this is that when God's dealing with you, He's dealing with you in the relationship of bride. Hallelujah. All right. Now he says here, he says it in many places, but one place in the church age book, chapter one, he says, he, Jesus, came out from God, became manifest in the flesh, died and rose again and returned to the bosom of the Father. As John said, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared to him. John 1.18. It was now time for God, Messiah, to come back to claim his bride. And then present himself, he says, make himself known to Israel. Thus we see God again stepping forth to assume physical relationship to man. I want you to catch that phrase. Physical relationship to man. He says, as the son of David, king of kings and lord of lords, and the bridegroom of the Gentile bride. Now see how he put that together? He says, on the one hand, he's coming to assume relationship with Israel as the son of David. But on the other hand, he's the bridegroom of the Gentile bride. All right. 
Now the scripture shows the bride part in many places. Are you still with me? I know you get quiet as you start to let the Holy Spirit just place that in your mind. Don't don't worry if it doesn't just become clear to you yet. You just let the Holy Spirit deal with you. I love the way Brother Branham dealt with Brother Biscoll. Don't you? He said, Brother Ed was trying to see serpent seed. And Brother, Brother Branham just said, well, then just look at the next scripture. And Brother Biscoll didn't know what the next scripture was. And, 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 and Brother Branham explained it to him. He says, you pray and I'll pray for you and God will reveal it to you. It's just that simple. Okay. Okay. Now the scripture shows the bride part in many ways. And that's why the Jews have trouble seeing Christ. Because they're brethren. But the bride is not brethren. The bride is the bride. And they, the Jews could never really see themselves as needing a bridegroom. This is the struggles that the rich young ruler had. Because they were looking for the son of David. They were looking for the mighty ruler, the Pharisees. The leaders of that hour couldn't, could just not embrace him. And they, they, they couldn't see the personal relationship that he had come to establish. Of course, their eyes being blinded that the Gentile bride could be called, but, but they, they couldn't see it just as him, just in relationship. No trappings of organization, no human conditions, just unconditional eternal love that they were in the mind of God. And as he dealt with Peter, and he kept saying to him, Lovest thou me, Peter? Peter, do you love me? See, there was a, there was a relationship that went beyond the Jewish law. That, that it, he wasn't dealing with Peter as a brother. Peter, you're part of my bride. Peter, you've got the keys to the kingdom. Peter, you're gonna preach on the day of Pentecost, and you're gonna show the way for my bride to come in. You're going to show a way for the Gentiles to be redeemed. Even though it's going to be amongst the Jews initially. But yet I'm going to take out of there. And I'm going to take out of the Gentiles a people for my bride. In other words, I'm going to enter into a relationship with them. That the rest of Israel could never enter into. They wanted a rulership. They wanted a kingdom. They wanted a king. They wanted a brother to raise up and lead them. But God was calling a bride. Hallelujah. God was revealing himself in a different relationship. And there was, there's many distractions. Now I get to come down to the personal. That's just the foundation. But there's many places in the Bible that deals with the bride relationship. And it's interesting to look at it this evening. If we, if you don't mind, we'll take a few minutes and, and how that a bride can be distracted from the central part of the relationship, which is the love between the bride and the bridegroom. Amen. Amen. I don't see Caleb and Hannah this evening. Uh, are they here? I don't see them. Amen. But I see a lot of married couples. doesn't matter if my in-law's there and how long they've been married or Brother Joe sitting behind them and his marriage relationship or uh, Brother Michael and... And uh, they've been married a little bit less, and I'm just looking for a young couple, but I don't see them. You, say, you might say, well, we're, I guess I, I'm a young couple. 
<laughs> there we go. <laughs> I might be the, we might be, my wife's gone out of the room. That's probably a good thing. And, uh, but we might be the youngest married couple here this evening. <laughs> I don't see anyone that's married younger than we are. So, you know, there is this relationship that, that, that begins to be formed on the basis of what? On the basis of love. Can you say men married couples? That's what, that's why you got married because you loved each other. I'm not talking about all of the things that have gone on since then. Now it's going to get quiet. I'm not talking about life's disappointments. I'm not talking about things going differently than maybe you thought they would when you first came to the altar. Amen? Oh, there's one. Brother Louise, I overlooked you. Now, whew, I don't have to pick on me and my wife. <laughs> you know, Brother Jean Manassi, too, back there. Amen. All right, several young couples. I don't know why I didn't see you earlier. But, you know, they, when you come to the altar as a young couple, there's, there's one basis. We love each other. Even God's prophet said, if you love one another and you can't live without them, you better get married. Amen. So, so there, there's a, a love and it, it doesn't have a lot of necessarily understanding of what lays in the days ahead, but there's, there's a relationship. And now I want to just look at Esther for a moment here. In the Bible, we find Esther as, a, as being a great example of the bride of Jesus Christ. And she being a Jew, you know, being raised in the Jewish faith under the law of Moses, she understood the importance of the law. She understood what the, what it meant to have a law, and yet, in, in all of that, and, and because maybe of her upbringing, she could not catch the significance of her relationship to a Hazarus. Because she knew that under the laws of the Medes and Persians, that the law was immutable, and she could relate to that, because she had been raised under the law of Moses. And so she could understand maybe in her life that, that you know, there were certain rules, and you don't break the rules, and once the rules are laid out, you just live by those rules. But yet, in all of that, when it came time for her to, to be able to go into her husband to beseech him for the lives of the Jews, she did not yet have a revelation that her love for him and his love for her overrode the law. See, I'm talking about a different relationship for the bride. And so that that now that uh, she maybe wasn't fully comprehending the pull, if I could say it that way, I'm even losing my voice saying it, but the pull that she had on her husband by his love. Do you realize the pull you have on God? We talk about love. We talk about his great love wherewith he loved us. We talk about God so loved the world. How he gave himself for us. We talk about all those things. But do you realize the strength of that pull of that love and the significance of it? That God so loves you. It goes beyond anything that's written in the law. Hallelujah. It's a blood that speaks better things than the blood of bulls and goats. It speaks better things than the law. It's a love that God tried to reveal to Israel that they could never catch. But he's come in the last days to reveal himself in his fullness to his bride. Amen. You see, the, the Jews could never catch it. Because Jesus was the love of God expressed. 
And here Jesus is expressing himself. They couldn't understand it, how that they could bring this woman caught in adultery. That said, the law said she was caught in the very act of adultery. The law said she must be stoned. The law of Moses, which came from God himself. And there was Jesus standing there. And they said to Jesus, now, says the Moses law said this woman should be stoned. We caught her in the very act of adultery. What do you say? And Jesus remained silent. And they pressed him. And then he, then he answered, finally answered him. He says, all right. If you want to go according to the law, then let him that is without sin cast the first stone. And he just began to bend down and stoop and write on the ground. The Bible says he wrote on the ground. Don't know what he was writing. Some ministers have suggested he was maybe writing their problems. Oh yeah, Levi, he did this last week. And you know, Malachi, he did this last week. And you know, writing their names down maybe with a little accusation underneath it. Showing them that he knew what they were all about. And finally, the, after he saw that the last one had dispersed, and then Jesus stood up and looked at the woman, they said, where's your accusers? Does no man accuse you? And she says, none, Lord. He says, neither do I. Amen. See, the law or the love was greater than the law. There was a love that was reaching out to a predestinated seed that could override a life that had made a terrible mistake, but love came down and provided the answer. Hallelujah. She was caught by the law, but she was set free by love. She was brought into captivity by the law, and we all are brought into captivity by the law. But it's love that lets us free. Hallelujah. Like Zacchaeus. They couldn't understand how he could go to Zacchaeus' house. Didn't you just preach on that? And and how how that... Oh, my. You know, Zacchaeus, how could, how could he even... Entertain such time with a publican and a sinner because love didn't see that. God's love, the Samaritan woman, as the disciples came back and saw him conversing with the Samaritan woman. But the very reason that they were there was that there was a predestinated sea that was calling for deliverance. No difference than the lunatic of the Gadarenes, a man that was possessed by thousands of demons. But love constrained him to go and set him free. Hallelujah. What love God has for us. If we can walk in the revelation of our true relationship with him. Stay with me. Just go a little further. They couldn't understand. In their eyes, his his irreverence for the Sabbath. How could he tell a man to take up his bed and walk in the Sabbath when that's contrary to the Sabbath law? You're not supposed to carry anything on the Sabbath. But the the love of God had set that man free. And it overrode every law that was holding that man in captivity. They were so legalistic in their relationship that they forgot about his love. Now that's the heavenly bridegroom and the earthly. Now, that can be true even in personal relationships. You know, sometimes the events of life catch us into things. The pressures of finances, the pressures of the home life, the pressures of family, the pressures of the children, the pressures of, uh, of job situations, the pressures of COVID, 
the pressures of the rules and regulations that we're living under and all of these pressures and all of these pressures. But you know what? There's something that's greater than all of that. In a marriage relationship, it's love. And in a relationship with God, it's the same thing. It overrides all of that. Esther, she needed a revelation of the power of her relationship with Ahasuerus. Oh, bride, do you have a revelation of the power of your relationship with God? Not, not with this church, not with the ministers, not with the pastor. May God strengthen our pastor. Not with, not with, with other people, not with the deacons, the trustees, whatever it might be. Not with the person sitting on the pew next to you, but you're right now in his presence. That his love so wants to move over your life. If you have a need tonight, God's love wants to provide for that need. Your need might just be a question. I have a question. You just hold that before God. And say, God, I don't understand this message. I don't understand what these people are talking about. But if you, I remember many years ago, I said, Lord, I said, I see this. It seems like it's real, this message and, and all of these things that these brothers are talking about. I said, Lord, if this is you, open the door. But if this is not you, close the door. That was my prayer back then. And he's never let me down. I just trust him every step of the way. Hallelujah. His love. Oh, they, they, they had trouble with that. I could just say it that way. Remember Vashti was the one that was rejected in the time of Esther. She was the wife that was rejected for refusing the command of the king. She, of course, was a type of the, of the message of the movement previous to this age or at the beginning of this age called the Pentecostal movement. She was the type of that. And that to her it was all about what she had. She was dining with her friends, the women, and, and she had gifts. And it was there was many things that, that she was enjoying and it was gifts, gifts, gifts. But love is the greatest thing. Love is greater than the gifts. It's not the gifts that you get. Now brothers. I'm not authorizing you not to buy gifts. <laughs> buy your wife something nice once in a while. Let her know that you love her. Let her know that you're thinking about her. That's always a good thing. I fall, I fall short on those things. But it's not about those things. Nobody gets married thinking I'm going to get gifts. Am I wrong? Nobody gets married thinking, oh, it's all about the gift. No, they get married thinking, I get him. I'm not worried about the gift. I want the giver. Amen. Amen. I want the one who gave himself for me. Amen. Oh, my. We come down to this last time. I got to move forward here to Ruth here. As much as Esther was distracted by her Jewishness, I could say that Ruth was distracted by her lack of Jewishness. That she didn't understand the law and her upbringing was not in the law. And so she didn't necessarily uh, comprehend that there was a law of a kinsman redeemer. 
And anything that she received amongst Israel was that something that she had learned after. It was not something that she was raised in. So she didn't see the realities of God's promise to the Jews. She didn't necessarily identify in coming out of Egypt and coming through the wilderness and, and God sending his law upon Mount Sinai and, and how that was sacred to Israel and the tabernacle and the worship and all of those things that had become established in the land and how they conquered the land all of the she was a Moabitess she was a Gentile and 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 so as she came amongst Israel through events and, uh, and many of you know the story but you can read the book of Ruth if you don't but as she came down into Israel then, then she she began to hear of the promises of God she began to hear of the law of gleaning and she began to hear of the provision of the law for those that are in need and so she began to give herself to that But she didn't see the realities of God's promises except through the eyes of Naomi. And Naomi being raised in these things began to see things that that uh, uh, Ruth in her maybe we'll call it complex of not being Jewish as she was there amongst the Jews and trying to survive and trying to support Naomi and trying to hold the household together and trying to be there in Israel of her great love for Naomi. But there was something that was taking place that was beyond the law. There was a love. Of a man called Boaz. That was falling in love with a young woman. He was looking at the character of the woman. He was looking at the reality. That this is the one. And so there began to to be a love relationship. Be established in the few conversations that she had with Boaz. And in the few things that Boaz began to show to her. Through the things that he did for her. Hallelujah. Now Boaz, of course, is a type of Christ. And Ruth is a type of the Gentile bride. But Ruth was just coming into the revelation of the strength of her position in the mind of Boaz. Because Boaz, because he had a vision in his mind. Now you've got to think of the mind of Christ. When Christ was thinking of a bride, he was thinking of you. Back before the foundation of the world in the mind of God, before God ever became manifested in flesh, you were in his mind. You were in his thoughts. You were here in Laodicea. You would come in your hour in a manifestation of the attribute of the thoughts of God. God saw all those things. And so he had this great uh, experience. And he shares this now in the expression of Boaz as their lives are a living prophecy to us. And he begins to express that now through Boaz. And Boaz had an idea of a wife. And he saw this Jewish sister and that Jewish sister and nobody fit it. Nobody seemed to come into the the relationship that Boaz uh, was thinking about what was an ideal wife. And he, and he maybe wondered, and maybe Boaz, of course not being God, Boaz might have wondered, why does nobody fit the bill of what I think a woman should be? But one day, but one day, hallelujah, and all the single people said, amen. <laughs> but one day. There was a woman that come into the field. And Boaz goes, who is this woman? 
This is the Ruth that you heard about, the Moabitess who came over with Naomi. Oh, Boaz fell in love. Brother Branham, I think, uses the word. It was love at first sight. Well, it, it was love at first sight because he had an image in his mind. He had a thought. This is what I'm expecting that I will one day run into. And that day finally came. Hallelujah. It was finally the hour of the manifestation. We are in the last days where the last members of God's thoughts are being manifested upon the earth in bride form. Hallelujah. He had a vision. There'll be a bride made up of every kindred, tongue, and nation. I'll take her out through seven church ages. I'll send my gospel. It must be preached in all the world. And then shall the end come. I have a vision of it. And it's finally coming into view. Hallelujah. And the servants began to see Boaz do things he never, they never seen him do before. They seen him act in ways they never seen him act before. My my, oh you you servants, you just drop handfuls on purpose for this woman. When she gleans amongst the sheaves, don't rebuke her. You know whatever she needs, you give it to her. And I'll tell her if she's thirsty, drink from the water that's for my servants. It's all right. You just drink from that fresh water. Praise the Lord. It's drawn from the fountain of Bethlehem. Amen. And all of those things as Boaz begin to act all these things and everybody begin to watch. This is unusual. What was it? It was a type of God himself. Seeing his attributes come into manifestation. And finally Ruth, you know, she, she, she goes home and she has this great success at gleaning. And, and Naomi says to her, what's going on? You've done great today. You are one tremendous gleaner. And uh, Ruth just says, well, it just there seemed to be a lot here. And it was like they dropped handfuls. It was just like it was there. I just picked it up, brought it all home. And, and Naomi began to watch this and she began to realize what's happening. Oh, listen, I'm going to tell you what to do. Because I would never tell any other woman to do this. But you obviously have the love of Boaz. Hallelujah. Do you realize that you have the love of Jesus Christ? Don't ever take that for granted. Say, well, yeah, I know God loves me. No, no, no. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm about you individually have Jesus Christ saying to you like he did to Peter, lovest thou me. I know you love this church. I know you love this pastor. I know you love the gifts that I put in the body. I know you love all those things. But I want to know, do you love me like I love you? Because I made you to love me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Where in times past you walked according to the course of Moab. Oh, I'm sorry, the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom we all had our conversation in times past, according to the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. The next verse starts out, but God. 
who is rich in mercy. For his great love wherewith he loved Tim Dodd. For his great love wherewith he loved us. Put your name there. For his great love wherewith he loved you. As I was reading this scripture, I began to think about Rahab, the last woman that I'm going to talk about, the last bride type tonight. Oh, poor Rahab. Think about her life. She was actually an ancestor of, of Boaz. They, they begat Boaz, Rahab, and Salmon. But Rahab's life wasn't easy. It was difficult. It had, it had many, many dark places in her life. Her background showed many defects. Things that it could be said were unrepairable. Things I'm sure that she didn't want anybody to know. Are you with me? She didn't have a lot to offer anybody. But I love when Brother Branham describes her. He says she fell in love with the man which was a captain and a prince of Judah. We call her Rahab the harlot because she was a harlot in the city of Jericho. But there was something in Rahab that says there's a people that are coming out of Egypt to come in and take this land. And they will be successful. They will possess the land. And I don't want to be a part of this civilization of this world. I want to be a part of that civilization. I want to be a part of that people. And there she was and, and, and maybe a lot of things that she didn't want anyone to know. And I can imagine that when she finally, uh, when she finally became into courtship with Salmon, she might have wondered to herself, you know, do you really understand, Salmon, where I come from? Do you really understand where I've been through? Do you understand how many marks I have against my life? But God had showed her something by burying her past in the rubble of Jericho. Hallelujah. When she come out of Jericho, that was all gone. When she come out of Jericho, all that was left was the present and the future. And that she was a part of the seed of Abraham by faith. And when, when a child of God, you know, uh, redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, re- realizes who they are, I'm sure it took a while for Rahab to come to that revelation that in the eyes of Salmon, none of those things matter. Because his love overrode her past. Hallelujah. And the love of God overrides our past. Paul says in Philippians 2, he says, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after. If that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Jesus Christ. Oh, I love that statement. I didn't apprehend him. He apprehended me. I didn't find him. He found me. I didn't call him. He called me. I didn't choose him. He chose me. Hallelujah. He says, brethren, I caught now not myself to count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Hey, listen, if they don't matter to him, then why should they matter to me? Hallelujah. 
forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto the things which are before. Then if we're reaching unto things which are before, then it must be promises. Yes, then I'm reaching for the promises. I'm reaching for the things that He has spoken. The promises that He has made. If we could say it at the altar. I, I promise to love you. And honor you. And cherish you. I will forsake all others. And cling to you alone. As long as we both shall live. And seeing we both have eternal life. That is an eternal bond. Hallelujah. Oh, what a child of God, redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, realizes who they are. Nothing else matters. Oh, the devil's going to remind us of our past. He likes to do that. But I lay aside those things. Paul says, I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord, our bridegroom. What can we say about our past? It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter if you came out of a bar. It doesn't matter if you came out of a, a, a broken home doesn't matter what kind of relationship your parents had. It doesn't matter whatever it was. When you're justified in the sight of God, those things make no difference, including if, like me, you came out of a religious family. That makes no difference. It's all filthiness. But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, So when we look at our past, we can say, what is that to me? I'm following Him. If He chose me, I'm following Him. If He put me in this place, I'm following Him. Maybe the musicians could come. Rahab fell in love with this man, which was a captain and a prince of Judah. She became in a great romance with this captain which was a prince of Judah. And finally she married him. And when the estate was settled up for the Israelites, she and her beloved lived in Bethlehem. All right. Through her conversion and through her unfailing faith in God, it brought her from a prostitute house to a beautiful home in Bethlehem. What a difference. What brought her there? Her faith in God. He says, that's the way it does all of us. From a house of unbelief and frustrations, immoral acts and everything to a place, position in Christ, which is most beautiful. Hallelujah. He says, from the ridiculous to the sublime, that's the difference that it makes through our conversion. And did you see she married a prince in the house of Judah, a captain. That captain represented Christ. Took to himself a Gentile bride from the lowest of the low to the principal and best place of the land. And Salmon married Rahab and begat Boaz. Because Rahab 
left the things in the past behind. And Boaz married Ruth because Ruth left the things in the past behind. Hallelujah. And Boaz and Ruth begat Obed. And Obed begat Jesse. And Jesse begat David. And David became king. And a a prophet of God, who was it? Amos, I think it was, was reading that scripture of that lineage and was so inspired by the sovereignty and power of God through those relationships that he prophesied and said, Out of thee, O Bethlehem, thou that art the least of the princes of Judah, out of thee will come a governor that will rule my people. Prophesying out of that lineage and those relationships and those types will come a Jesus Christ. And that Jesus Christ will have a bride. Hallelujah. And that bride will have the same power of the love of Christ as Rahab had on Salmon and as Ruth had on Boaz and as Esther had on Ahasuerus and on down through the scripture, a people that recognize, Lord, I love you. My relationship with you is about love. If you've been down the road in your Christian walk and maybe it's become a little cool to you, I'll tell you what, go back to your first love. Go back to that place where God even admonished the church in the first church ages. I have one thing against you. You left your first love. Don't you understand? That's all I care about. Everything that I am will override everything else. Just stay in love with me because I'm in love with you. Hallelujah. For his great love wherewith he loved us. Oh, Brother Bram says, God's great mystery is now Christ the mystery of God revealed. God's great mystery, what the eternal God had as a mystery, has now been unfolded in Jesus Christ. Then was given down to his church. What was once in God's mind is now in the body of Christ. Jesus Making love to the church. His bride. Whispering secrets to her. You know how you tell your wife things? You know the little girl that you're going to marry? You love her so much. You just tell her the secrets. And get her up next to you. And love you and everything. That's what Christ is doing to the church. He's letting her know The secrets. Why is this message revealed to you? Because he loves you. Why why is he making himself known to us like this? Because he loves us. Then if he loves us like this, won't he watch over us? Won't he give you the very desires of your heart? Don't get caught up in the pressures of the age. Don't, Don't let things distract you. Like maybe Ruth or... Or, or Esther or, or Rahab could have been distracted by a lot of things. But love overrode those things. And love will override anything that the devil tries to put on your life. Do you love him? Let's stand together.
He loves us. I think we ought to sing, let the worshipers arise. Hallelujah. We come together to worship. Come Sunday, I hope this place is filled. Let the worshipers arise. Why do we worship him? Brother asked me that this week. He says, what is worship, Brother Tim? Why does God love worship? I said, well, let me explain it to you very simply. Because in this same quote, Brother Branham says, he's not revealing his secrets to the flirters. He's revealing them to his wife. See, Sister Barb, what if I asked you a question? He said, is your husband handsome? She goes, yeah. Is he strong? Is he intelligent? See? Amen. God bless you, Brother Richard. But what if some other sister came up to Brother Richard and said, Oh, Brother Richard. You're so strong and so handsome and so intelligent. What would you think if another sister started talking to him like that? Well, she says... That wouldn't be very good. That's a flirter. Okay, that's a flirter. Why? What's the difference? Relationship. He's called you to be his wife. There's lots of people out there that say they love Jesus. There's lots of people out there that say, oh, God is a good God. Or that say they believe the Bible or or all the other things that they like to say oh God is wonderful and he's marvelous and all of these things and even write nice songs and all those kind of stuff but he's not revealing his secrets to them because his secrets are not for the flirters his secrets are for the wife because you have an eternal pull on his love hallelujah Father, I see that you are drawing a line in the sand, and I want to be standing on your side, holding your hand, so let your
am redeemed, bought with a price. I am redeemed, bought with a price. bought with a price, a great price. He so loved you and valued you. He considered you more valuable than his own blood. Hallelujah. What a price was paid for your life. What a pull you have on his love. May God make that very real to each one of us individually. Let's bow our heads together.
Brother Tom was just mentioning to me that Brother Rickard had to take a stop at the hospital today, was feeling not well, but he's been released. We thank God for that. I'm sure a lot of pressure on him, having just lost his life's work, really, to provide for his family. Let's just remember him in prayer and also Sister Karen Pruitt, who's not well. We just pray. I know the family is very much wanting that God will raise her up and and just give her health and strength, as we all would, whether our mother, our wife, whatever it might be. We certainly feel for them. Heavenly Father, how you love us, O God. And there's not a person here but what would say we're not worthy. We certainly don't feel worthy in ourselves of that great love wherewith you loved us. But Lord, you deemed it that way in your thoughts and in your mind that you would come by our way. You would quicken us by your word. You would drop your faith into our life, quickening us with the Holy Spirit that we could love you back, Lord. And we want to say that we love you with all that is within us. Like Peter, Lord, you know that we love you. We always were yours. We always were in your thoughts. And as you revealed yourself by the opening of the word, the true revelation of love, there was something in us to respond to that, oh God. How we thank you, Lord, that we could respond. There's billions on this earth that are not responding. But Lord, we're responding. And we say, Lord, we love you. Lord, we give ourselves to you. We lay our lives before you, oh God. And Lord, you knew that we'd be a needy people. Lord, I know that you love Brother Rickard. Lord, may you just pour in strength. May you just pour in peace into his heart, Lord. May you just let him know, Lord, you love him. Lord, you're watching over him. Oh God, we just know that you're in favor of him. And as Paul said, if God be for us, who can be against us? Lord, bless him, we pray. Bless the family, Lord, as you're providing for their needs. May everything be according to your perfect will in their lives. Sister Karen, Lord, a wife, a mother, a sister, Lord. Oh, Father, we hold her up before you. We certainly know what these times are. Lord, to have a wife that's not well, and we just pray, Lord, that you just come on the scene. There's nobody that wants to see a loved one leave, oh God. We just pray rather that healing virtue would come to that life. Lord, restore her to her family. Lord, give them the victory, oh Lord, we pray. We commit them into your hands, Father. We ask your blessing of your healing virtue that was loosed at Calvary. It's available to her, Lord. It's available to each and every one of us. Maybe someone else listening right now is sick tonight. Lord, may they just lay a hold by faith of that virtue that was loosed at Calvary. By your stripes, we are healed. Oh, may a supernatural move just flow through physical bodies tonight, Lord. Loosing us, oh Lord, from the constraints of the weakness of this flesh. Lord, we commit ourselves to you. We thank you, Lord, that we could gather again together Sunday if you would tarry without limitation in Canada. But Lord, we're not accepting a partial deliverance. 
We claim that the borders shall be open, O God. Turn the hearts of the government, Lord. And take away all of these restraints, we pray, Father. We commit ourselves to you. We love you. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 Let's just sing that little chorus before we go. Majesty. Worship His Majesty. Majesty. Worship His Majesty. Unto Jesus be all glory, honor and bless you the service is dismissed just worship him whether you linger whether you go just lift up the name of jesus on high god bless you and god be with brother tom as he ministers this weekend in edmonton god bless you the service is dismissed in jesus name need to apologize why don't you turn around and shake hands with somebody (laughs) god bless you you're dismissed in jesus name